0: Episode 11. Here the author continues his insistence that the forced shutting up of houses is not only bad policy, but actually led to the death of many more than would have succumbed if they'd been able to voluntarily sequester themselves and send away the remainder of their households, who more often than not died as a result of their continued presence there. As it was, those wishing to spare their families were often forced to flee into the streets before notice could be taken of their illness, thereby infecting countless others with whom they came in contact. Defoe ends this episode with his narrator's personal observations on the causes of the sickness and best course of treatment for its victims from the standpoint of public health. While he scornfully discounts theories of what sound close to our modern understanding of bacterial infections— Transmitted through the lungs or skin, his recommendations are otherwise sensible and sound. But I must go back here to the particular incidents which occurred to my thoughts of the time of the visitation, and particularly to the time of their shutting up houses in the first part of their sickness for before the sickness was come to its height, people had more room to make their observations than they had afterward. But when it was in the extremity, there was no such thing as communication with one another as before. During the shutting up of houses, as I have said, some violence was offered to the watchmen. As to soldiers, there were none to be found. The few guards which the king then had, which were nothing like the number entertained since, were dispersed either at Oxford with the court or in quarters in the remoter parts of the country, small detachments accepted, who did duty at the tower and at Whitehall, and these but very few. Neither am I positive that there was any other guard at the tower than the warders, as they called them, who stand at the gates with gowns and caps, the same as the yeomen of the guard, except the ordinary gunners, who were twenty-four, and the officers appointed to look after the magazine, who were called armourers. As to trained bands, there was no possibility of raising any. Neither, if the lieutenancy, either of London or Middlesex, had ordered the drums to beat for the militia, would any of the companies, I believe, have drawn together whatever risk they had run. This made the watchmen to be the less regarded, and perhaps occasioned the greater violence to be used against them. I mentioned it on this score to observe that the setting watchmen thus, to keep the people in, was, first of all, not effectual, but that people broke out, whether by force or by stratagem, even almost as often as they pleased, and second, that those who did break out were generally people infected, who, in their desperation, running about from one place to another, valued not whom they injured, and which, perhaps, as I have said, might give birth to report that it was natural to the infected people to desire to infect others, which report was really false. And I know it so well, and in so many several cases, that I could give several relations of good, pious, and religious people who, when they have had the distemper, have been so far from being forward to infect others that they have forbid their own family to come near them in hopes of their being preserved, And have even died without seeing their nearest relations, lest they should be instrumental to give them the distemper and infect or endanger them. If, then, there were cases wherein the infected people were careless of the injury they did to others, this was certainly one of them, if not the chief namely, when people who had the distemper had broken out from houses which were so shut up, and having been driven to extremities for provision or for entertainment, had endeavored to conceal their condition and have been thereby instrumental involuntarily to infect others who have been ignorant and unwary. This is one of the reasons why I believed then, and I do believe still, that the shutting up houses thus by force, and restraining, or rather imprisoning, people in their own houses, as I have said above, was of little or no service in the whole. Nay, I am of the opinion it was rather hurtful, having forced those desperate people to wander abroad with the plague upon them, who would otherwise have died quietly in their beds. I remember one citizen who, having thus broken out of his house in Aldergate Street, or thereabout, went along the road to Islington. He attempted to have gone in at the Angel Inn, and after that the White Horse, two inns known still by the same sign, but was refused, after which he came to the Pied Bull, an in also continuing the same sign. He asked them for lodging for one night only, pretending to be going into Lincolnshire, and assuring them of his being very sound and free from the infection, which also at that time had not reached much that way. They told him they had no lodging, that they could spare but one bed up in the garret, and that they could spare that bed for one night, some drovers being expected the next day with cattle." So, if he would accept of that lodging, he might have it, which he did. So a servant was sent up with a candle to show him the room. He was very well dressed, and looked like a person not used to lie in a garret, and when he came to the room he fetched a deep sigh, and said to the servant, I have seldom lain in such a lodging as this. However, the servant assuring him again that they had no better, Well, says he, I must make shift. This is a dreadful time. But it is but for one night. So he sat down upon the bedside and bade the maid, I think it was, fetch him up a pint of warm ale. Accordingly, the servant went for the ale, but some hurry in the house, which perhaps employed her other ways, put it out of her head, and she went up no more to him. The next morning, seeing no appearance of the gentleman, somebody in the house asked the servant that had showed him upstairs what was become of him. She started. "Alas!" she said, "I never thought more of him; he bade me carry him some warm ale, but I forgot." Upon which, not the maid, but some other person was sent up to see after him, who, coming into the room, found him stark dead and almost cold, stretched out across the bed; his clothes were pulled off, his jaw fallen, his eyes open in a most frightful posture, the rug of the bed being grasped hard in one of his hands. So that it was plain he died soon after the maid left him, and 'tis probable, had she gone up with the ale, she had found him dead in a few minutes after he sat down upon the bed. The alarm was great in the house, as any one may suppose, they having been free from the distemper till that disaster, which, bringing the infection to the house, spread it immediately to other houses round about it. I do not remember how many died in the house itself. But I think the maid servant who went up first with them fell presently ill by the fright, and several others, for whereas there died but two in Islington of the plague the week before, there died seventeen the week after, whereof fourteen were of the plague. This was in the week from the eleventh of July to the eighteenth. There was one shift that some families had, and that not a few when their houses happened to be infected, and that was this. The families who, in the first breaking out of the distemper, fled away into the country and had retreats among their friends, generally found some or other of their neighbors or relations to commit the charge of those houses to for the safety of the goods and the like. Some houses were, indeed, entirely locked up, the doors padlocked, the windows and doors having deal boards nailed over them, and only the inspection of them committed to the ordinary watchmen and parish officers. But these were few. It was thought that there was not less than ten thousand houses forsaken of the inhabitants in the city and suburbs, including what was in the out-parishes, and in Surrey, or the side of the water they called Southwark. This was beside the number of lodgers, and of particular persons who were fled out of other families, so that it was in all computed that about two hundred thousand people were fled and gone. But of this I shall speak again, but I mention it here on this account, namely that it was a rule with those who had thus two houses in their keeping or care, that if anybody was taken sick in a family, before the master of the house let the examiners or any other officer know of it, he immediately would send all the rest of his family, whether children or servants, as it fell out to be, to such other house, which he had so in charge, and then giving notice of the sick person to the examiner, have a nurse or nurses appointed, and have another person to be shut up in the house with them, which many for money would do, so to take charge of the house in case the person should die. This was, in many cases, the saving a whole family, who, if they had been shut up with a sick person, would inevitably have perished. But on the other hand, this was another of the inconveniences of shutting up houses, for the apprehensions and terror of being shut up made many run away with the rest of the family, who, though it was not publicly known, and they were not quite sick, had yet the distemper upon them, and who, by having an uninterrupted liberty to go about, but being obliged still to conceal their circumstances, or perhaps not knowing it themselves, gave the distemper to others, and spread the infection in a dreadful manner, as I shall explain further hereafter. And here I may be able to make an observation or two of my own, which may be of use hereafter to those into whose hands these may come, if they should ever see the like dreadful visitation. Number one. The infection generally came into the houses of the citizens by the means of their servants, whom they were obliged to send up and down the streets for necessaries, that is to say, for food or physic, to bakehouses, brewhouses, shops, and so forth, and who going necessarily through the streets into shops, markets, and the like, it was impossible but that they should, one way or another, meet with distempered people who conveyed the fatal breath into them, and they brought it home to the families to which they belonged. Number two. It was a great mistake that such a great city as this had but one pest house, for had there been, instead of one pest house, Say, beyond Bunham Fields, where at most they could receive perhaps two hundred or three hundred people. I say, had there, instead of that one, been several pest houses, every one able to contain a thousand people, without lying two in a bed or two beds in a room, and had every master of a family, as soon as any servant especially, been taken sick in his house, been obliged to send them to the next pest house, if they were willing, as many were and had the examiners done the like among the poor people, when any had been stricken with the infection, I say, had this been done, where the people were willing, not otherwise, and the houses not been shut up, I am persuaded, and was all the while of that opinion, that not so many, by several thousands, had died, for it was observed, and I could give several instances within the compass of my own knowledge, where a servant had been taken sick, and the family had either time to send him out or retire from the house and leave the sick person, as I have said above. They had all been preserved. Whereas when, upon one or more sickening in a family, the house has been shut up, the whole family have perished, and the bearers been obliged to go in to fetch out the dead bodies, not being able to bring them to the door, and at last none left to do it. Number 3. This put it out of question to me, that the calamity was spread by infection, that is to say, by some certain steams or fumes, which the physicians call effluvia, by the breath, or by the sweat, or by the stench of the sores of the sick persons, or some other way, perhaps, beyond even the reach of the physicians themselves. Which effluvia affected the sound who came within certain distances of the sick? Immediately penetrating the vital parts of the said sound persons, putting their blood into an immediate ferment, and agitating their spirits to that degree which it was found they were agitated. And so those newly infected persons communicated it in the same manner to others. And this I shall give some instances of, that cannot but convince those who seriously consider it, and I cannot but with some wonder find some people, now that contagion is over, talk of its being an immediate stroke from heaven, without the agency of means, having commissioned to strike this and that particular person, and none other, which I look upon with contempt, as the effect of manifest ignorance and enthusiasm, likewise the opinion of others, who talk of infection being carried on by the air only, by carrying with it vast numbers of insects, and invisible creatures who enter the body with the breath or even at the pores with the air, and there generate or emit most acute poisons, or poisonous ova, or eggs, which mingle themselves with the blood, and so infect the body, a discourse full of learned simplicity, and manifested to be so by universal experience. But I shall say more to this case in its order.